Jeez, it's 7 o'clock at night. That's right, $1,900. And you're listening to the Polo Sagero Show, where the heat is on and we educate our community through interviews with professionals. Welcome back, welcome back, everybody, for another episode of the Polo Sagero Show. We'll be here until 9 o'clock. Uh, for today's show, we have uh, two guests. Uh, the first one will, is Mary Dwyer from the Society of uh, St. Vincent de Paul, and for, uh, she will be here from 7 to 8 o'clock. And then from the 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock segment, we will have Erin Riley, who is the owner, director, and uh, a teacher uh, at the Dance Factory here in Attleboro in downtown. Uh, so for first, uh, uh, Ms. Dwyer, thank you for coming in today. How are you? Just fine. Thanks, Paula. <laughs> um, so... Originally, I had met someone when I ran for city council. I met someone uh, who was with the organization, and they were explaining to me that's kind of the, the services and resources that uh, the society offers. Uh, so, to start, could you give just give us a, a brief, a brief, a brief uh, bio about yourself and kind of what you do? Okay, I'll try to keep that one brief. <laughs> um, uh, so. Uh, uh, as you said, my name is Mary Dwyer, and I actually live in Mansfield, Massachusetts, um, and have lived in New England for 48 years, um, but am not uh, born and bred here. I was born in Detroit, Michigan, and that's where I grew up, um, but I had the good fortune as a fairly young teenager of um, meeting someone named Tom Dwyer, who uh, is now my husband of 48 years, and... Uh, Together, actually, we both work in the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in two different capacities, but do a lot of work for the Society. Um, that's all volunteer work. When I'm not doing that, um, I'm working with computer systems and software development systems at Children's Hospital in Boston, um, which I've been doing for 25 years. And prior to that, uh, for a while, was a uh, math uh, junior high math teacher oh, okay uh, as well as uh, for a number of years a full-time uh, mom raising three daughters so you've been pretty busy your entire life fairly busy, <laughs> fairly busy. all right awesome so I figured uh, for the today's show we could give an overview with the society what the society how it started what its mission is uh, uh, the resources that it offers to people, and then we'll go into uh, current projects, past projects, and whatnot. Uh, so to begin, could you uh, start by uh, just explaining a little bit how the how the society, or give a, a mis the mission of the society and kind of how it how it all started? How the society all started is actually a great story. It's a fascinating story, and it goes back a number of years. Uh, 185 years to be exact. Wow. <laughs> the society was formed in, in 1833 in Paris. Um, it was formed by six college students and their adult mentor, whose name was Emmanuel Bailly. The person who is usually credited for founding the society, his name is uh, Frederick Ozenam, and he and his um, five colleagues, their student colleagues, um, really wanted to do something different besides sit around in a classroom. So what they did uh, in the 1800s was spend a lot of time at the offices of Emmanuel Bailly, who owned a um, newspaper office across the street from the Sorbonne, where they went to college, where they were going to school at the time. And they uh, really sat around having discussions about all kinds of things from politics to religion to philosophy and doing what college students do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you have to you have to picture what Paris is like in 1833 when this occurred. This was post-French Revolution, another revolution going on, industrial revolution time. Peasants who had been living in the country were coming in to work in the new factories, all springing up as part of the Industrial Revolution. Um, but the conditions there were very poor, and uh, oftentimes it was hard to keep a job. They were at the mercy of whoever was running the factory, and if they didn't have a job, they had no food. These folks were from the country, had been farmers. Um, they couldn't grow food in the tenements they were living in. Yeah. <laughs> so slums were all over. Were, were cropping up all over the place in Paris at the time. And a young woman uh, who was a daughter of charity 
uh, named Rosalie Rondu was serving the poor in the streets at that time. She was, as I said, as a, a daughter of charity, and the Daughters of Charity is a religious organization, a, a group of religious sisters, founded by St. Vincent de Paul 200 years before then. Oh, wow. Okay. And St. Vincent de Paul became the example that essentially caused Frederick Ozanam to start the society. So she was visiting people in, in need uh, in the streets, visiting the poor in the streets in Paris at this time. She founded or orphanages, clinics, shelters, trade schools, pharmacies, a clothing dispensary, ministered to the sick. She did all kinds of really assisting the poor and the vulnerable in many, many ways. Well, while this was going on, and while Frederick and his buddies were discussing politics and everything else, um, a question was posed to him. Uh, okay, you talk a lot. What do you do for action? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that really challenged him and challenged him to action during some debates that they were having in these offices. And he basically said, let us go to the poor. And they formed what they called the Conference of Charity at that time. And Emmanuel Bailly, their mentor, that adult mentor that was owning that newspaper office, was their first president. Um, after one year of working with the poor following Rosalie Rondu's example, um, because she really taught them how to do everything that they did, um, after one year, the, the name of the society was changed to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul after the work and the guidance and the example that had been set by St. Vincent de Paul 200 years prior to that time when he did very similar work also in France. Gotcha. Um, so after he got out of college, Frederick Ozanam became a lawyer. He wrote extensively on social justice issues, um, became a professor at the Sorbonne, but uh, had a wife and a daughter, but died at a very young age at age 40. But he had planted a seed and he had, he had started that one conference, and then a lot more people joined, and new conferences sprung up, and it became too many people for one group to really work together. Yeah. They needed to divide up into smaller groups, and so they did, and each of the smaller groups was called a conference. Wow. Um, and by 1835, two years later, there were 200 of them, 200 Vincentians, which is what, what St. Vincent de Paul members are called. We are called Vincentians. Um, and the whole organization spread across Europe at the time. And in 1945, only 13 years after it had been founded, um, it, the first conference was st started in the United States, in St. Louis, just under the arch, which is still where the national headquarters are of the oh, Society okay. of St. Vincent de Paul. So our national society goes back to 1845. So that's, that's kind of how we started. It's, it's in, our roots are French, and the in, it's an international society. Yep. And in fact, the international head of the society is in Paris. That is where um, the society really springs from. But we also, of course, have the, the national um, president, as well as organizations now that are broken up into smaller divisions around the country. Wonderful, wonderful. And in fact, we now have, we, so we are part of a, of a group that is more than 4,400 conferences today, wow. over 150 countries, and involves more than 800,000 people. Wow. Men, member Vincentians that are part of this organization. That's amazing. Okay. Um, so that's a little bit about our history. But I think you also want to know about our mission. What is it that we really do? And I hinted at that when I talked a little bit about the, um, the work with the poor that the people were doing. And that really is the main thing that we do. But when you read the mission of the society, it starts with its main purpose is actually the spiritual growth of its membership through service to the needy. So the service is a means to yeah. spiritual growth and also friendship with each other. We as Vincentians work together as friends on a spiritual mission, but the spiritual mission is to help, to provide service to those in need. And it is said that, and this is actually out of the mouth of the founder, Frederick Ozanam, no work of charity is foreign to the society. So the answer to what we do what this mission, how this mission plays out is fairly extensive. 
um, and we'll talk a lot more about that. Uh, the home visit is that we'll talk about is the core of our work, but it goes way beyond that to many, many other things that we do. Absolutely. Alrighty, folks, we're in studio with Mary Dwyer uh, from the Society of uh, St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, we just talked briefly about uh, the history behind it and uh, briefly the mission. When we come back, we're going to talk about more of the resources and services that they offer, uh, projects that they've worked on, currently in work on, and, and, and uh, future projects to Uh, that they plan on working on. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. Rhode Island College will hold their fall open house on Saturday, November 3rd from 1 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. in the Murray Center. Prospective students will have the opportunity to meet one-on-one with faculty and staff to learn about programs and student services. Students can explore Rick's campus through tours of the Quad, Fine and Performing Arts Center, Residence Halls, and the Rec Center. There will also be academic presentations and an informational presentation on admissions and financial aid. (laughs) Hey, everyone. You know, let's all stop what we're doing right now and take a moment. That felt good, huh? Just like that, we had a nice special sort of moment together. Of course, they don't all need to be quiet moments to be special. They could be loud moments, goofy moments, sporty moments dorky moments. Moments where we talk or walk or just hang out. It doesn't really matter. They all count. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. (laughs) Sounds like somebody agrees. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. This week on AACS, catch the Federalist Papers, a presentation by Professor Gary Highlander that encompasses how these documents led to the passage of our Constitution. This is the first presentation in a fall series presented at the Richardson Library, North Attleboro, which focuses on famous papers in American history. You can watch this program and all of our quality programs from around the area in high definition on the AACS mobile app. Alrighty, folks, we're back on the end of the Paul Girl Show. We'll be here until 9 o'clock today. Uh, for the first half of the show, we're in studio with Mary Dwyer, who is with the Society of uh, St. Vincent de Paul. And then from 8 to 9 o'clock, we'll be talking with Erin Riley, who is the owner, director, and a teacher uh, at the, the Dance Factory in, uh, in downtown Attleboro. Uh, so we, we talked about kind of uh, how the society started the mission. Uh, but this society is pretty large uh, internationally and, and to our states. Could maybe could we talk a little bit about um, what each d- uh, division kind of does with the society, how they you know defer from one another? Sure. As you said, we're an international circle of charity, but let's talk about what happens locally, right? Um, because there's a whole lot between that international and the local. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, we do we do have our national society. The nation, the National Society, is broken down into eight um, regions. We're part of the Northeast region, which is all of New England and New York. Uh, the Northeast region VP happens to live right here in Attleboro. Wow. Um, and many folks from Attleboro probably know Irene Frechette. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, um, within the region, there are um, dioceses, and those are actually along the lines of the, um, the church diocese. Okay, and so there are diocesan diocesan councils within the diocese, and each diocese is broken down into district councils. So I represent the Attleboro District Council, which which encompasses six towns, um, ten conferences across those six towns, the six towns being Mansfield, Norton, Attleboro, North Attleboro, Seekonk, and Rehoboth, and... um, in Attleboro, we are an all-volunteer district. The society does have some employees just to keep it running uh, at some levels across the country, um, but we do not. Uh, we are a 100% volunteer here in the Attleboro district. Nationally, for example, the national office only has 20 employees, so this is not. A, it's, it's really mostly volunteers that, yeah. that run this whole organization. Okay, um, and the poor are the reason why the society exists, and the person-to-person service that we give to the poor is what we're all about. Um, and so, and the only other point I wanted to make is I mentioned that we're, um, that we're affiliated with churches, but we're not part of those churches. We are an independent lay organization that um, we use church facilities for some of our work. We usually meet 
in, on church facilities and so forth, and the churches help us with fundraising. But we are not part of the churches. Oh, we okay. are an independent organization. Yeah. Um, and we collaborate with a lot of other organizations in the work that we do. So some of the specifics that I'll be going into after this, that's the background, that's the context in which we're talking about. And I will be talking about the work that, that the 10 conferences, and the, which are integrated units of the District Council of Attleboro, um, I'll be talking about the work that all of us do here in the Attleboro District. Area. Gotcha. I was always curious about that because we have uh, St. Vincent de Paul Church here in Attleboro too, so I was always curious if that was... Uh, connected if it wasn't and that's that's the former holy ghost church yes yep um which when they when the former saint joseph's church um was uh, closed and the two churches merged they Mm -hmm. wanted to come up with another name and they wanted to very much represent service to the poor and so they chose saint vincent de paul as their church name which makes it very confusing when you talk about their (laughs) church name and our and our organization it's always a source of confusion that's interesting but those are two different entities the, the church and the society awesome um so for the society, what are some of the, the services and resources available to people? What are some of the things uh, that the society actually helps w- within the community? What are some of the things they actually uh, do? Well, uh, we are here to serve the poor in any way that we can. Remember, no work, to, no work of charity is foreign to us. So we start up with the very basic, food. And there are several food pantries mm-hmm. um, that are run by the society, um, by our local conferences within the society. Um, there, uh, outside of our district, there are also soup kitchens. Uh, we don't run any specific soup kitchens, though we uh, collaborate with soup kitchens that are run um, here in the area. Um, there are uh, clothing centers. Let me talk first. I'm talking now more more nationally. Mm-hmm. There are clothing centers. There are um, shelters. There are dental clinics. Um, there's a car, there, uh, there's a car donation program, which allows us to, uh, bring funds in to help fund all of these things. There's a huge, at the national level, a huge, um, disaster relief effort, uh, a rapid response team. Uh, they've just been deployed down to Florida. They, they, for most of the hurricanes that have happened or, or all of the hurricanes from Puerto Rico to Texas, wow. they're down there all the time. And we have a representative right here in the Attleboro district who actually just came back from um, from Florida, is part of that disaster relief wow. um, effort. Bob Gears lives in North Attleboro um, and belongs to one of our conferences there. And so he's doing a lot of disaster relief um, and, and representing us in that effort. Uh, services to the elderly are common. A lot of conferences will visit nursing homes. Uh, we certainly provide a lot of financial assistance, though the financial assistance is part of um, a larger effort that we make, which is to establish a person-to-person relationship with the people that we're assisting and assist more than just their financial need, but the whole person and the whole family and, and, um, and many more than just the financial needs. But we do provide re- uh, rent, heat, utilities, medical uh, assistance, transportation, educational training, all kinds of things. Whatever is the need. Nothing is foreign to us. Whatever is the need. Mentoring programs. Um, One conference in North Attleboro in particular has a very active um, mentoring program. Um, So it's it's a vast array. And in addition to all of those charitable programs, we also have a an advocacy arm called the Voice of the Poor. Yep. Um, and we advocate for legislative and other changes to societal stat- to, to, to societal um, entities that are not working well for the people that we're serving. Okay, is is what we do as part of that advocacy, and. In so doing, and I'll talk a little more about the, sp- the specific things that we've done along those lines later, but, um, but that is one, one major part of what we're doing. It's because we are, if you, see, if you see what it says right here, we seek charity and justice. Yeah. Charity being the giving uh, and the helping and the aid that we give to those we serve, and justice being seeking justice for those we serve, seeking justice to the systems that might not be working in their favor. Gotcha. Um, so that's what all, what it's all about. The um, so when we when the society provides uh, 
uh, like the rent and financial. Is there a screening process? How how does what what's someone's experience when uh, let's say someone's in need of financial assistance and they want to reach out to the society? What's that process like for them? How do they actually go about doing so? Well, I would say that the answer to that is a little bit unique to the society, and it is what sets us apart from most social service agencies, because the major way that we help people or that we begin the process of helping people is by what I alluded to before, which is the home, the home visit. Mm-hmm. And it was Rosalie Arandu that first taught us how to do that and that taught Fred, Frederick Ozenam how to do that, and we've brought that down to the current day. So what happens is each of the conferences has a hotline, and they will get a call on the hotline typically, or someone might actually walk into the church office um, who is in need and they will have a request for assistance. That call is then referred to whoever is the current team at, the, at that church, at that conference in that church, who is currently, and usually we have rotations, uh, different people are in charge for a two-week period or a month period, and so they will be referred to that team who will probe further on what exactly is the need. and and for the most part, um, are making a home visit to that person or family to learn more right in their home. And essentially, not just to learn more and not just to, to get information out of them, but to begin the process of establishing a relationship of, of real friendship with them, of learning how to walk with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go to the homes two by two, uh, which is how Rosalie Rondu taught us to do it many years ago. Um, and we go there to try to, to really understand. Listening is the, is the most active thing that we do there. And, and we go there to, to listen to the need. They are facing crises. Uh, they may be facing eviction. They may be facing utility shutoffs. Um, they're facing what we've learned and, and come through some of our, our reading to be called the tyranny, the tyr- tyranny of the moment. Okay, they just, they're, they're just totally tyrannized by all that is going on in their lives right now. And, and many times that is the case. And we're there to listen. And we're there to help sort out, um, but not tell them what to do. We're there, we're there yeah. to help them help yeah. themselves. Yeah. The whole idea and the whole philosophy is to help them help themselves, not for us to come in and be the answer to all of their needs. Okay? Gotcha. Um, and in so doing, they are able to um, articulate to us what exactly their need is that would help them best get back on their feet. And then we will help hook them up with the appropriate resources. And, some, and those, those resources are different for every single situation. They are yeah. unique for every situation. No two situations are the same. And uh, the help that the society gives uh, is it free for the community, or is there a charge or whatnot? No, everything that we do, everything that we receive is donated, and everything that we give has no strings attached. Um, we do have a loan program. Um, it's new. It's a micro-loan program. It's for very special purpose. Um, and it's, it's, really to, it's really to help those who will be able to pay us back, who want to pay us back, and who mm-hmm. desperately need to establish credit because we actually work with a local bank. Harbor One is actually, we work with Harbor One on this loan program and they're actually getting the loan from Harbor One. Oh, okay. um, At a very, very low um, interest rate that we've been able to negotiate. And and when they pay it back, they've then established, probably for the first time in their lives, for many of them, a positive credit history that will then help them move, move forward. Wonderful. And that is part of what we call our systemic change effort, which is really changing, uh, attempting to not just, it's, a, it's giving them a hand up, not a handout. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. This is really what it is, yeah. okay. Alrighty, folks, we're in studio with Mary Dwyer from the Society of uh, St. Vincent de Paul. We're talking about the services and resources that the Society offers, the history of it. Um, so we come back, we'll talk more about the projects they're working on, and uh, we'll, uh, current projects, past projects, and then hopefully uh, we'll talk about some future projects. So stick around, we'll be right back after these messages.
Brown University will host the lecture Cosmic Shadows, Other Worlds, and a Fifth Dimension on Thursday, November 8th from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Shadow and illumination patterns are cast throughout the universe by the gravitational fields of stars and galaxies. This talk will unveil how these cosmic shadows carry clues about the existence of extrasolar planets and a possible fifth dimension. The auditorium will open at 3.30 p.m. for seating and guests are asked to arrive at the auditorium no later than 3.50 p.m. The lecture will take place at Brown University's ICERM 121 South Main Street on the 11th floor. Staying at home, surrounded by family and friends, resting comfortably with your illness under control, and support for your family caregivers. That's what most Americans want at Life's End. Hospice can make it happen. With the help of hospice, patients and families alike can focus on what's most important, enjoying life together and living as fully as possible. Feel free to contact Community VNA Hospice at 508-222-0118. You can also visit communityvna.com for more information. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. We want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Alrighty, folks, we're back with the Paul Sargero Show. We'll be here until 9 o'clock. Uh, for the first half of the show, we're in studio with Mary Dwyer, uh, who is with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. And then from uh, 8 to 9 o'clock, we will have Erin, uh, 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 wow, if I can talk, Erin Riley, who is the owner, director, and uh, a teacher at the Dance Factory here in Attleboro in downtown. Uh, so, Mr. Riley, we've talked about the history of the society, the mission, some of the resources. Uh, but St. Vincent de Paul being Catholic, is this just open? Is this just services uh, available to Catholic uh, Catholics in the community, or is this something uh, everyone's welcome to? Uh... We make no differentiation. We ask no questions. We don't care if they belong to any faith or no faith. Um, we don't care what what religion, race, creed, sexual orientation, or anything else they are. They're human beings. That's all we care about. Absolutely. Um, and um, and so we serve anyone. There there is absolutely no restriction in terms of who we serve. But thank you for asking that question <laughs> um, and get and and getting that clarified. Absolutely. All right. So let's um, let's go into uh, some of the projects that uh, maybe some past projects um, that the society has worked on. Then we'll go into maybe some current things you guys uh, are doing. Sure. Um, We've got lots of past projects. The good news is m virtually all of those past projects continue on forward, and we're, so we're still doing them. Yeah, yeah. Um, one that is very, very special is really part of the society's um, effort to affect systemic change, essentially to bring about real change in the lives of the people that we serve. Um, and it's called our Getting Ahead Project. Mm -hmm. We actually have two Getting Ahead programs that we've run in the past. Um, one is called Getting Ahead in a Just Getting By World. Um, the other is Getting Ahead While Getting Out, i.e. getting out of incarceration. <laughs> okay? yeah, yeah. Um, and what each of those are, they're both, they're both similar to each other, but, but different because they're different populations. But they are um, an opportunity to spend approximately 16 to 20 weeks, um, a couple of hours a week, with the individuals that we're serving in a sort of a class setting, but not a class where we as teacher get up and get, get, get up at the front and say, this is what you need to do to change your lives, mm -hmm. but a class where we offer them the opportunity to examine themselves, examine their lives, examine their needs, and set for them their own goals, which they call their future story. And 
uh, and set for them their own thoughts about how they are going to um, how they are going to achieve that future story. And um, we just plant the idea in their head to do that, and they do it. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, and I had the pleasure of going to the graduation uh, on the 6th of September of our very first Getting Ahead While Getting Out, um, which was held um, for incarcerated men at the Bristol, Ho- Bristol County House of Correction in North Dartmouth. And uh, the event that evening, the graduation that evening, was one of the most inspiring things that I've ever done. Uh, Listening to their stories, each of them spoke to tell us what they had gotten out of the program and where they wanted to go and how one place they didn't want to go was back there once they were were released. And they were totally committed to that, uh, highly motivated to go back to their communities and get it right and uh, and turn their lives around. and I had a conversation with one of them after the ceremony was over that evening, um, and he he told me his you know his very personal story of of how he had gotten where he had gotten and and how he never wanted to be there again and how his his family has pretty much disowned him and he doesn't mm-hmm. really have the personal resources. But it doesn't matter. He's going to do it anyway, and maybe someday his family will come back when they see that he's that he's on the right track. Yeah. And he said it was this program that has really made him see that that's possible. He didn't think it was possible before, yeah. and now he sees the possibilities. And that's what the program is all about. It's about seeing the possibilities of the future for these people. And, and our very own Vincentians, people right here from Attleboro and the Attleboro District, Mansfield, et cetera, are actually are running these programs and... Um, uh, and going down to the House of Correction every a couple of times a week, every week, uh, to do to spend the time with these men to help them. And then when they come out, we have a reentry program in which we also work with them constantly when they get out. And what they're doing is they're creating their 72-hour story. Gotcha. As at the end of that, too, because that's the first most important thing when they mm-hmm. get out is that first 72 hours to help them stay on their feet so that they don't turn around and go right back. Yeah. Um, so that's one of our, our projects, and, and it continues because there's a demand for it. They keep saying, will you do another one? We've got more people that want to do it. Will you do another one? Yeah, yeah. We just started a second one yesterday. That's wonderful. Yeah, because it's uh, – and some of our listeners know that my background is criminal justice, and that knowing how high the uh, recidivism rate is, like over 70 percent, and um, it's it's great to see that these programs exist because that's kind of the biggest part because – when some of these guys are going back into the same environment, that's kind of that's one of the biggest challenges right there is going back to that same environment. So it's uh, it's reassuring knowing that programs like this exist and even that reentry program too that uh, you mentioned. Right, and the other getting ahead program is is not for um, inmates. It's for anybody mm-hmm. um, who who wants to uh, essentially participate in that self uh, analysis and um, essentially goal setting process. Um, to be able to um, move ahead from where they are. And so um, we have another program starting in January for that program. So that's, a, that's been a, a wonderful program that uh, has been um, taking a lot of work and a lot of commitment. All volunteers running this thing, yeah. putting an enormous amount of time and effort into it. And uh, the volunteers that are uh, conducting these programs, do they typically have uh, uh, experience in, I don't know, we would maybe what would it be called counseling maybe, or is there uh, training they go through and stuff like that for? Uh, our there is training that, we, that the society offers. Yeah. Um, they're from all different backgrounds and all different, um, I mean, one's a, a teacher, you know, but not, that's, that's not everyone. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. Okay. Um, they're from all different backgrounds, but they do go through the training and, you know, learn. And there is a, a structured curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so they learn the curriculum and they learn how to um, lead and facilitate the curriculum. Wonderful. Good. Is there, um, and this is continuing, I'm assuming, and then con- mm-hmm. as long as it, uh, it it's appears well. to be as long as we can keep, um, as long as we have volunteers that will continue to do it and um, people that will continue to come that want to want to participate in the program, as Wonderful. we call the participants investigators, because they're <laughs> investigating their own lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there uh, some other projects that are uh, going oh, on? There sure and- are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lots of them. Um, so we've got the you know programs like we run a clothing center right here in Attleboro on 95 Pine Street um, oh, okay. on uh, one Saturday morning a month, and every um, 
at the end of the summer, before the fall school s starts, they also have a, a, a big school supply distribution as part of their, and the clothing center there, it's not clothing to purchase, it's all donated clothing, it's clothing to give to, there's, there's no money exchange involved, um, and it's actually not just clothing either, it's clothing and household goods um, there to give to anybody who needs it um, on a walk-in basis on the Saturday mornings that were open. The schedule is posted on our website. Okay. Um, and if somebody wanted to get to the uh, the website, how, how would they do so? They would go to SVDP, stands for St. Vincent de Paul, svdpattleboro.org. Awesome. And uh, there's a, a lot about all these programs right there on the website. Wonderful. And that one is uh, once a month, you said, right? The yes, clothing it's center. on the third Saturday of the month for the, the most Saturday. part. Yeah, all yeah right. it's listed under our, on our resources page. Um, but it's uh, under the food, uh, excuse me, under the clothing section, but I'm pretty sure it's the third Saturday of the month. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, all right, so we're in studio with uh, Mary Dwyer from the Society of St. Vincent de Paul talking about uh, the history of the society, the mission, some of the services and resources that they offer, and uh, some of the projects that they're working on and continue, con uh, continue to work on. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll wrap things up and... Uh, and then we'll have Aaron Riley in from uh, 8 o'clock to the 9 o'clock segment. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. Dr. Gary Highlander will return to Richards Memorial Library for a series of lectures titled Papers. The series starts with the Federalist Papers on Thursday, October 4th. It will be followed by the Pumpkin Papers on Thursday, October 18th, and the Pentagon Papers on November 1st. All lectures will take place at 7 p.m. Registration is required to attend these lectures. If you'd like to register, you can email librarian Maggie Holmes at mholmes at salesinc.org. The following is made possible by Dad. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling all over it. <laughs> the Dad Joke. Corny. Grown-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. Why do you have to be careful when it's raining cats and dogs? Because you might step in a poodle. <laughs> and kids that spend more time with their dads grow up to be smarter, more successful. Can I tell you a cat joke? Just kidding. <laughs> and, with any luck, funnier adults. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Because he didn't have any body to go with. Dad jokes rule. So take a moment to make a moment and give your kid a laugh. <laughs> it's as easy as going to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. <laughs> That's really funny. Are you looking for more opportunity? The Literacy Center is here to help. We have free year-round classes in English, computer literacy, and high school equivalency. With the help of teachers and tutors, you can prepare for your citizenship test, make a resume, get ready for college, or learn how to speak better English. Classes held during the day, evening, or on Saturdays. View our website, theliteracycenter.com, or call 508-226-3603. The Literacy Center, building a better community. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio with Mary Dwyer from uh, the Society of uh, St. Vincent de Paul. We'll be here until 8 o'clock, and then from uh, 8 to 9 o'clock, we will talk, be talking with Erin Riley, who is uh, the owner, director, and a teacher at the Dance Factory uh, here in Attleboro. Uh, so we talked about uh, a lot of the history, the mission behind the Society, some of the services and resources, uh, the, the past project, and also uh, it's continuing with the... Uh, Kind of the uh, the re, uh, the inmate uh, reentry program that you guys offer, but are, what are some let's, let's talk about some of the current projects that yeah, that's going on, and how it, uh, some of the ones that are continuing. Uh, is there some, some uh, specific ones currently going on that the society is uh, currently working on? Um, well, the, I mentioned the reentry effort, the um, ex offender reentry effort. Um, what I didn't mention is that um, the um, Mayor of Attleboro has just opened a mayor's office of reentry called Moore, M O R E. Yeah. The mayor's office of reentry um, in the 95 Pine Street uh, office, uh, building on the second floor. And um, our Vincentians that run our reentry re program are actually going to be staffing that office um, and doing a lot of their reentry work there at the office. And they do, they do literally walk hand, by ha hand in hand, side by side with the um, people coming out of. Our in our of incarceration and 
trying to help them get on a path to uh, the resources that they might need, whether it's a sober house that they need mm-hmm. to move into um, or whether it's a job that they need to find or whatever it is. And usually sometimes it's you know all of the above, um, yeah. and they are working very much with them. So that, that program is is a very key one and a very important one. We have another program. Um, transportation is something that keeps a lot of people from being able to do what they need to do. Yep. Um, and we have um, begun a, it's part of a consortium. Uh, the program is called the CAR program, it's Community Access to Rides is what the CAR stands for. There is a, a page on our website about it. Um, and the, the YMCA runs the uh, Social Responsibility Alliance that is the consortium um, from which this program sprung. And what it is, is it's, um, we have a, a relationship with Uber and um, people can go, just like they go to, to ask any other help, they can go to their conference uh, hotline, talk with, whomever at that conference, and if one of their needs, among others, is transportation, uh, getting to, uh, you know, even as far as Boston to a doctor's appointment, but getting to the 95 Pine Street office where mm-hmm. a lot of services are offered, um, getting anywhere that they need to get in order to, for, for basic services, um, to food pantries, to wherever it is, um, we, at, at, at no charge to them, uh, through donated funds that we're using to run the program, um, we will set up the car ride, the, the, the Uber ride for them, uh, and we also will set it up as a round trip for them if they, if they need it as round trip transportation. And they're able to not have to worry about how they're going to get to and from all of the places that they need to get. Sure. So that's, that's a, f- a program that's about a year old now, and, um, but the seed came from the YMCA Social Responsibility Alliance. Um, the, um, another program... I mentioned our Voice of the Poor program, the advocacy that we do. I didn't mention that one of the things that we've done is run um, every year, or most every year, a legislative forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two have been at um, Bristol Community College uh, in the late winter, early spring. And that is an opportunity for our local legislators, um, our state representatives and state senators, um, to have an informal conversation with us and with anybody, it's open to the public, with anybody who wants to attend, um, about some of the issues that are of concern to us. Um, and the topics that get discussed are the topics that the people, the audience, wants to discuss. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty wide open to the audience to decide on those topics. Um, we haven't set a date for the next legislative forum yet, but we certainly hope when we have it that people from the community will come out for it. It w- will be publicized. We'll get information to you, and you can put it on your show. Absolutely. And let people know about it. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and we have discussed, you know, all of the, um, you know, everything from problems of homelessness to um, – educational issues to transportation to uh it was health i went to the, the last yeah. one with uh oh did you go to the last one it was paul paul feeney j barrows and, yes you uh, did go yeah maybe you were there then. maybe betty poirier uh, yes i'm not exactly. positive i think it might have been those three but yeah there was uh as you as and for our listeners that if you attend usually when you were walking down the hall they had uh these big pieces of paper out there with topics criminal justice reform health care like you just mentioned, education, then we, we would put, I think you had like maybe three stickers or so you'd put on, on the ones you were uh, most interested in hearing, and then that's how they kind of tailored the, the, the discussion for it. Thank you, Paulo. I'm glad you came. <laughs> it was good information out there. And it, like Bring said, 20 friends next time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's uh, a lot of good information out there, and it's kind of, it was also kind of a way to update people too on kind of the legislation that was going on at that time. It, it, it was, and that's certainly an important part of our advo- of our advocacy work. We also, I mean, we advocate for uh, initiatives at the federal level, at the state level, at the local level. Oh, okay. So at the local level here in in Attleboro, we've done advocacy and with some successes in helping um, uh, redirect some of the transportation to make it more useful to people in need here in the Attleboro area some of the public transportation that's available. Uh, on the state level, um, we, I'm very happy and proud to say that we 
did a lot of um, advocacy for three initiatives that passed within the last year, uh, one being the paid family leave, one being the criminal justice omnibus bill, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing you know all about. I do, I do. <laughs> knowing your background, and one being the raising of the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were all efforts that we worked very hard for um, and, um, and, and did a lot of advocacy on, and so we were thrilled um, to see those pass. Um, at the federal level, um, Comprehensive immigration reform, something that we've certainly advocated for and uh, and continue to do so. The uh, keeping SNAP benefit levels, the the supplemental nutrition assistance program that is essentially food stamps, keeping that uh, those levels um, at a, a reasonable uh, amount for families to be able to survive on. We provide a lot of food for families from our pantries, and we know that they are having a hard time uh, feeding their children, keeping the families. Um, in in decent food on the very, very low incomes that they are uh, receiving. So um, so all of that advocacy work is a very important part. But again, that's the justice part. It's the charity and justice that Absolutely. we do. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so they, they really go hand in hand. The justice is to supplement the charity. The justice is, is to, to take the charity to a higher level, to, to take the charity from helping others, the handout, to encouraging systemic change the hand up to advocating for societal change yeah to hopefully in the best of all worlds eradicate poverty yeah absolutely it's interesting because uh when we talk about the social justice issues and whatnot we uh i actually took a course uh, during my undergrad it was biblical justice which was kind of like criminal justice and kind of like theology mixed we talked about some of the social issues that were involved it's amazing that what the bible talks about is still some of these, some of the issues that we still uh, are real. facing, it's you know, it's uh, it's astonishing. But uh, people look around and say, you know, are there really hungry people around? The answer is yes, there really are hungry people around. Yeah. Ask any Vincentian who has visited people who are asking for help, and it's very humiliating for them to ask ask for help. Yeah, they're not there because they want a handout. Yeah, they're there because they want to be sure that their children can eat tomorrow. Yeah, and then that's like you know, you look at some of the places like uh, Detroit, Michigan, when the, their water crisis and how just communities were just leaving because they just had zero access to uh, to water at some point, you know. But um, all right, is there a specific uh, other topics you wanted to mention before we do uh, the little history question we usually add to uh, the end of our show? <laughs> <laughs> I I could I could go on and on with uh, with. Several other things that we're doing. Um, one is um, a fundraiser, and it will be coming up in the spring. We call it our family walk. Um, we have many, many business sponsors um, that help to, to sponsor our family walk. In fact, if you go to our website and hit the family walk link, you'll see a whole list of our business sponsors from 2018. Um, and we um, also have individuals that sponsor the walkers that, um, that walk to raise funds. And, and that walk specifically is funding rental assistance. Oh, okay. Um, uh, last year, we brought in $31,000 through wow. that walk, and all of that going to rental assistance for people in the Attleboro area. That's awesome. And not just Attleboro, but the six towns that I mentioned. Yep, yeah. Um, and if someone wants to get in contact with the society, uh, what are some of the ways they can, they can do so? Um, two things I would suggest. One is... Um, because most of the work and, and is done and the key work is done at the conference level, uh, contacting the local conference, the parish conference nearest you is the best way to go. You can get a list if you go to that website, svdpattleboro.org, and hit conferences. There's a big link to conferences. There'll be a list of all of the conferences, and each of them, their hotline will be listed. And that, was, that would be the number that you would call. Um, if you simply want to learn more about us, of course, go to the website, but you can also use an email address, which is district at svdpattleboro.org. Wonderful. And um, if you have any question at all, anything you'd like to tell us about, anything you'd like to ask us about, all emails do get answered, usually in a timely way. Not always, but usually in a timely <laughs> way. Remember, this is all volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> and and, um, and uh, so those are the ways that they can contact us, really. Wonderful. All right. Uh, I mentioned earlier, too, uh, part of the a little thing we like to add to our show, it's, it all started because it was a question that was asked to me once, and I've always enjoyed asking 
uh, someone new, uh, the, whether it's kind of like an icebreaker topic. Um, but we, the, the question we always ask at the end of our shows are, if you could, if you could talk to anyone from history and ask them one question, uh, who would you want to talk to and what would you want to ask them? So if, if Mary Dwyer could talk to anyone from history, it could be current, it could be past, and ask them one question, who would you want to talk to and what would you want to ask them? Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day is the founder, was the founder of the Catholic Workers' Movement in New York City in the 1930s, uh, the post-depression era. And I would want to ask her, she did such magnificent work that I would want to ask her what advice she has for us in our Vincentian work today and what we can learn from her, um, how we can do our work more effectively and better than we're already doing it. Absolutely. All right. Um, is there uh, any other, uh, you can mention a couple uh, other uh, projects or anything that you wanted to before we, uh, we wrap up? We have a couple extra minutes. If there's something we didn't cover that you want to make yeah, sure we get um, in there. So I, I mentioned, for example, that we do have the clothing center. It is run by St. John's Conference, by the way, the, at, at 95 Pine Street. Uh, that's that third Saturday of the month. One of the things they do um, is um, they distribute comfort packs to, in this case, men from North Cottage, which is a residential substance abuse facility and halfway house, which is in Norton, that are bused there. Um, and they're bused there for clothing. They can get all of the clothing that they need. And some of them are looking for jobs and they don't have anywhere near the kind of clothing they need to go interviewing for jobs yeah. and they can get the clothing there at no cost. But they also get these comfort packs, which are essentially um, personal hygiene packs. Um, that is one of the things that the conferences do at the conference level is collect the, the personal hygiene items and assemble the packs um, to then be distributed. And the men are just thrilled to get them. And the other thing that we did is we assembled similar comfort packs last year um, in response to the hurricanes as part of the uh, national um, disaster relief services and shipped them down uh, to Texas for uh, use by the folks that were down there and desperately needed them. Uh, right now, there's a current appeal going on for the same thing for comfort packs for Florida. Um, so awesome. that's a common, um, that's one of the, the kind of common things that we do, and we do it for all kinds of populations and all kinds of situations. Wonderful. And uh, just to wrap up then, uh, what was the website again, if somebody wanted to get in contact with the uh, society? Sure, that's SVDP. Attleboro.org. Wonderful. All right, I'd like to thank you again for coming in today and uh, willing us to be interviewed and kind of give this uh, information out there for our, our community. So I think we've got some good info out there. So thank you again.